My name is Luke Turner and you're listening to another Quietus Hour special. This week with our old mucker, William Doyle, FKA East India Youth. How are you today, Will? I'm good. A bit hot and bothered. But it's quite windy. So I put a coat on and I'm really hot from walking up the massive mountain from King's Cross. Will, as ever, is sartorially impeccable. Overdressed. Overdressed, yeah. in other words. <laughs> there's a, there's a common commonality between sartorially impeccable and overdressed, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think because, yeah, you wouldn't say someone in a short and t-shirts is, uh, is sartorially impeccable, Certainly I not. But for once, we're not here to talk about clothes. <laughs> we're going to be discussing on this Quiet Sound special your new project that's launching at the East End Film Festival later this month. It's called Your Wilderness Revisited and is an AV collaboration between Will, filmmaker Sapphire Goss and photographer Matt Colhoun. Will, can you give us the uh, elevator pitch, as it were, if you were Alan Partridge pitching your second series? What is Your Wilderness your, uh, Revisited and why are we going to listen to Laurel Halo right now? Okay, um, so Your Wilderness Revisited uh, looks at the British suburban environment and sort of reimagines it um, in a kind of new and interesting way because we thought that it was sort of misrepresented or underrepresented in a certain way and so we wanted to correct that. Um, Laurel halo track i suppose the last time i lived in this certain environment that the project looks at i was listening to quarantine um quite a lot so i feel like that has coated my experience of that environment quite a bit so yeah this track is is yeah kind of reminds me of those environments great okay so uh, we're going to listen uh, mr producer seb white to uh, laurel halo and thor if you take it away please suburbs you were listening to laurel halo how did this idea for your wilderness revisited first spark in your mind uh well i i was born in bournemouth um and i lived in kind of 1930s semi-detached and that was most of the houses that were around my area now when i moved to um a suburb or a residential area near southampton called chandler's ford in, in hampshire um it was all quite new houses from the 70s onwards so this sort of starkness of the change of environment kind of affected me and i was only about 13 14 at the time um and i think it took me a few years to sort of get acquainted with the area and kind of feel like it was home um but i thought it was very strange this 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 change of environment really felt very uh there was a massive contrast in, in just in the way that i thought about houses and and places where people lived when i took a walk um one day in 20 uh 2008 i was uh 
making some of my music then I was sort of really starting to get to grips with producing my own music at home and I used to work for quite long hours on it and then go out for a walk and just sort of clear my head and think about stuff I'd made and um, this one particular walk that I did around just just completely inconsequential walk around my area really and, and came back to my house after doing it and felt really different I, I felt like I'd I'd, I'd gone somewhere this sounds ridiculous and, and and come back and felt like the the my room felt different like the the walk that I'd just done had changed the way I thought about my environment or something like that and I thought what a curious effect that had on me um like very kind of sort of hallucinatory effect that it had on me and in kind of subtle way and I became fascinated with that idea ever since then I thought this this idea that the suburbs is really you know banal or, or uh, you know bland or hom- homogenous or anodyne kind of didn't really make sense to me anymore because it felt like th- there's more to it than that so I th- I started to that started to reflect in the music I was making just sort of exploring that idea and we sort of the point to make is that we're not dealing with the 30s style suburbs that mm. you used to live in and everyone would be familiar of the kind of everywhere town semi-detached bow-wind-fronted houses we're not dealing with post-war new towns and, and as you said in a piece of writing you've done with the project it is not modern nor made of concrete you know it's, as sort of a lot of it's been covered quite a lot in various artistic projects in the years can you describe for us a typical development that your wilderness revisited is engaged with i guess unfortunately in, in a lot of cases that if i say barrett homes i think that will make people realize sort of the there's a certain palette of colors you know it's sort of like kind of red brick and like inside very magnolia walls kind of thing very much more modern developments that really only happened in the last sort of 15 20 years i think um yeah it's quite hard to describe everything sort of feels new and prim and proper but maybe it isn't under the, under the surface i always think of it as these places with sort of very short roads that kind of go into little cul-de-sacs yeah. and there's houses sort of stuck around them. a bit like it's a bit like brookside is that yeah, fair enough absolutely brookside actually was a bit of a touchstone for for this because we were just looking at how is how have those environments been portrayed in pop culture and yeah those 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 sort of like um that yeah when you look on a map they look like sort of arteries I suppose they're sort of like in these like like tree branches or something like that they're kind of spread out in these weird circular sort of labyrinthian patterns. yeah I think the medical reference is gone because you know I, where I grew up there was it's, some of these estates on the edge of the town and it's, I think it's often where a farmer would sell off his land yeah. so they're confined within a very specific geographical area and the street it's almost like kidney shaped mm. with all the little streets as sort of the veins going through the kidney and so on uh, it, is the way I've, I've sort of looked at them it's been really interesting when we've been doing research and stuff for the project to look at maps on, on Google Maps or something like that and if you see a shape of roads like that before you've even gone into street view you pretty much know exactly how it's going to look yeah. and that's sort of that's really that's that's been a bit of a of an important aspect of our project really we've taken photos up and down the country but actually when we've put them all together we've forgotten where we've taken them and that's that kind of anonymity although that that's sort of part of the negative part of the of the uh of what we're looking at that actually that's quite a large factor in in what we're looking at aesthetically speaking of this sort of negative uh, conceptions of the song we're going to talk about these attitudes uh, in a second um, we're going to listen to probably the most famous song being Slumot Snide about modern uh, residential architecture <laughs> uh, Pete Seeger's Little Boxes Little 
boxes on the hillside, little boxes made of ticky-tacky, little boxes, little boxes, little boxes, all the same. There's a green one and a pink one, and a blue one and a yellow one, and they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all look just the same. And the people in the houses all went to the university where they all were put in boxes, little boxes, all the same. And there's doctors and there's lawyers and business executives and they're all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look just the same. So that was Pete Seeger, Little Boxes. An excellent song, but one that is quite cruel uh, about... I mean, this is, I guess he's kind of describing a sort of more executive uh, homes, maybe, but there is a sort of snide attitude to that to those lyrics that could be applied to the places you're talking about. And, you know, then they're not sort of fetishised in a way that the kind of post-war brutalist architecture is. Why do you think these developments are so little celebrated or acknowledged? I just think, I think that's part of the representation, you know, whether it be from Pete Seeger to, to now, I think the idea that people, like the suburbs are always just inferior to the to more, you know, bustling cultural, multicultural urban centres. And I think that that's true, but that's because it's sort of like a, a self-perpetuating, self-fulfilling prophecy a bit. I think that there's much to be celebrated in those in 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 the types of areas we're looking at because if we don't start to look at them in a in a more inclusive mentality we're i think you know we're at danger of their development becoming much more uh you know like the the way they're built and and planned at the moment is kind of far behind our european neighbors you know in terms of their you know houses uh, natural light and and usable efficient space and stuff like that we're way behind what the rest of the eu is doing and i think that we're if we don't start to look at these environments in this kind of a in a interesting critical way but in a way that's sort of willing to have some sort of positive intervention on them then i think we're at real risk of of carrying on building awful <laughs> awful houses I mean, it's very relevant at the moment, given that we've got a housing crisis that's, you know, affecting uh, pretty much everyone I know. Mm. And I know, like, down, down in my parents' uh, house, there's a new one of these developments being built, and they've actually had to stop building it halfway through because it was one of the big construction companies is getting such an appalling reputation for the quality of its building mm. that they no, they can't sell any of the houses, mortgage lenders won't lend on them. And it's, and it's a, a sort of the, the most contemporary and up-to-date version of what you're describing. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think part of the project is that we're just trying to shine a light on how this is where people live, you know. Like, the lives happen here uh, you know i I've, I've taken a very kind of personal route with the music that i'm making for an album that is kind of conceptually related to the project um but is my very much my own personal uh, experience of these places and i think it's important that we just kind of keep the idea that there's kind of humanity involved in, in these things it isn't just um it isn't just they aren't just houses they're, you know they're not just like the surface layer of things that there's there's something underneath there that needs to be examined in a, in a better sense people sort of focus on the architecture and, and, and ignore the lives yeah. within which happens a lot with these um 
Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why it was important that we kind of uh, marked up what we were doing as a bit different from other people who'd looked at kind of things like New Towns recently. I remember like the Magnetic North did the Scalmsdale record, which is a brilliant record. But, uh, you know, whenever I describe this project to people, it would always be like, oh, you're making a thing about Milton Keynes or, you know, or, yeah, or Scalmsdale, Runcorn or, you know. Yeah, whatever and it's like it's not it's not about that those were much more kind of utopian projects that had kind of houses built by architects and had these kind of visionary aspects to them we're not looking at that we're looking at a lot more of like a privatized sort of way of of, of dealing with with housing i think and they're all across the country as well you got them i mean i lived on an estate like this um on in the on the edge of norwich you mm. know and they're, they're kind of everywhere they sort of sit sit on the edges of cities like sort of little limpets or yeah they're always they're always invariably kind of on, at the edge of of towns i suppose just because towns have grown you know they've sprawled out into that section and they're just sort of like the most recent development that's happened on the edge of them and that was always the way that i looked at them as well when i grew up uh, i was in in Chandler's ford was always you're on the very border of things it never felt like you weren't living a rural life you know i don't know how many people lived in Chandler's ford at the time probably about thirty thousand people or something like that it wasn't this like tightly knit small village community or anything like that but you're always only a step away from being kind of in the countryside so that kind of that weird you know tugging you know of, of nature and, and sort of man-made thing always sort of was you know permeated the way i felt about those environments and aside from brookside are there films books other musicians who've been inspirational i you know you're kind of very inspired by people like jonathan meads i think as like meads more relevant to this project than perhaps other um, artistic endeavors i think meads jonathan meads was, was a big influence not because of the way you know because he didn't made a program about any of these places or anything like that but it's the sort of way that he treated looking at place and i remember in in his uh, film father to the man which is really great probably like the most autobiographical one that he's made he talks about uh his, his dad was a biscuit salesman and he used to go on these trips over the summer with his dad and he would while his dad was off selling biscuits he would be walking around and he'd have this very uh unique vision of the of, of his environment because he was only you know so high because he was a you know he was a small lad uh and and that sense of wonder, even at the things that we eventually end up thinking are kind of banal and, and, and normal, actually is something that he's held on to throughout his work. So I think that filter that he looks at place, at how he calls, you know, everything the kind of the best free show on earth. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, just a, a normal boring cul-de-sac with houses on it or not. It's kind of as amazing as anywhere else. And I think that sense of wonder is sort of what I want to look at this, this project through. Okay, we're going to listen to another uh, of your choices uh, that you've brought in related to your Wilderness Revisited, and this is Ray Charles, I'm going to move to the outskirts of town. I'm going to move, baby Way out on the outskirts of town I'm going to move, baby Way out on the outskirts of town You see, I don't need nobody Always hanging around I'm 
tell you, honey, we're gonna move away from here. I don't need no ice man. I'm gonna get you a frigidaire when we move. Ray Charles there. He was moving to the outskirts of town. So you were raised in uh, Channers Ford, as we've discussed. Um, what what new reflections of the the place and your sort of time there is this as, as doing your wilderness created for you? Uh, well, like I say, it kind of took me a while to really get used to the idea of, of it as a, of, as, a, as a place, really. I never really felt comfortable there for the first few years I was there. And I kind of hated it, really. But that's just because I hadn't explored it, I think. I'm not saying there's anything, there's no marvel necessarily to be had there that I could describe to you in some sort of a landmark or anything like that. But I think that we're not encouraged to explore these places that, that, that we grow up in, in in quite the same way as you are if you come to London or, you know, if you go, even if I went to Southampton, the nearby city, you know, I used to walk around kind of just for something to do, but that opened up this sort of wider vision of the place to me. Um, and I've got, a, there's a song on on the record that I'm working on, the, the first line is, it, um, is, is um, I went for a walk and now I feel a difference. And I think it's just, going out and, and exploring these places really kind of made me think about the heart of them in a bit more, in a, in a bit of a wider way. And yeah, I think that's something I want to sort of try to encourage people to do also. Um, so I don't know, I have complicated feelings about it still, but I, I don't think it's as, as simple as just the, the surface the surface layer implies. Speaking of going for a walk in a place, we have to bring up the dreaded P word or the dreaded Psy word. The, uh, is, is this... Uh, Psychogeographical, or is it? I always see that as being very internal and kind of times somewhat indulgent. Whereas, what I, my interpretation of your wilderness revisited is is more that you're it's an external thing and it's trying to bring people in. How how would you respond to that? I think the project the the project that I'm working on with Sapphire and Matt is certainly um, more external. We're trying to involve people in our vision of something and we want to hear what their vision of it is and you know let's try to come up with some sort of consensus about what what's going on here whereas the album I'm working on is very much a sort of internal thing yeah I think the word psychogeography is is an interesting one absolutely it's influential in a lot of places but I always feel like it's a bit oh, it's such an anarchy male kind of environment I never every time I read kind of books about it it's sort of okay uh, I don't know it kind of makes me despair a bit I remember even Jonathan Mead saying that he he didn't consider himself part of the psychogeographic community because that place is just sort of uh you know overrun with people who have sort of these personal crises that they're that they're living out and he kind of wasn't interested in that and I'm not either you know I don't I, I don't I you know I love uh, you know um Ian Sinclair or, or even Will Self writing about things but that is not what we're doing I kind of want definitely wanted to to uh, you know divorce ourselves from that from that world and have you found that there's people you know that when in your conversation with people like you know you moved to this place um, or people who were born in places or had a childhood experience of them is it a very difficult one a different one from people who perhaps chose to move to, to the these these places as adults is there a is there a different sort of marked difference there yeah I mean sure I mean that's just a circumstantial thing isn't it you're born or somewhere you grew up somewhere because you someone else took you there you didn't really have any say in the matter did you if you move out to there it's usually for some sort of financial or family planning reason I suppose so 
and that gives us more of a of, of an interesting look at the project actually because it's like well not everyone is not everyone is sort of inherently from these places people make the decisions to move there so they should perhaps be have a better idea of what it is they're they're getting into or what you know or they should be offered a better level of of uh, of production than, than they are maybe okay uh we're going to listen to the first piece of music uh from the from the your revisited project uh this is new earswick You're listening to a Quiet As Our radio special with me, Luke Turner, and William Doyle, here to discuss Your Wilderness Revisited, his new project inspired by suburban developments around Britain. So we listened to New Earswick just then, Will. Um, how did you go about putting together music in relation, compared to what you've done before as you're on your East India Youth records? What was, was there sort of a radically different approach this time around? Well, the thing that you just heard was actually... Um, so I've been making these sound collage pieces to go along with some of the visuals that Sapphire has been working on and, and the photos that Matt's put together as well um, just to sort of give you a better sense of space but also just sort of to take it out of that kind of mundane realism that you might find if you were just looking at photos of it and actually just sort of give you more atmospheric kind of like a dreamscapey space because I think it was the project was too complex to really just be right here's the realistic shot of it you know I wanted to make people feel like they were transported by it rather than just sort of kept grounded on earth with it all the time um so that track that we made we go out on shoots together so I have this microphone with a fluffy end on it to stop the <laughs> to stop the wind and I just record sounds and I just take them home and make kind of sound collage pieces with it that long droning kind of sound you had at the end there was a treated lawnmower sound. Right. <laughs> so yeah just taking those very mundane or you know supposedly mundane sounds and sort of reframing them in, in an interesting way and also you know now I'm not looking at trying to write songs with it for the for the project stuff it's actually you're just you're trying to evoke a sense of of, of place a sense of space but there will be songs on the forthcoming record yeah, yeah. The, the, the record itself is actually all pretty much all song based um, and I'm and on the the night that we're putting on for uh the East End Film Festival is I'm going to be performing the songs from the record after we've people have kind of immersed themselves in the photos and the video oh right yeah so there's sort of the idea is you come along you look that you we're given time to sort of immerse yourself in the photos which will be exhibited upstairs plus a bit of video and then we're kind of going to talk and introduce people to the project and then guide them downstairs to where the where the where the kind of the gig room is and um i will be performing things in with the aid of a couple of musicians and stuff like that as well so yeah that'll be interesting sapphire will be doing live visuals to that as well 
Okay, now we're going to listen to The Kinks' Shangri-La. Why have you picked that? Uh, because Shangri-La was like, yeah, Ray Davies was very much talking about, I suppose, immediate post-war kind of planning, even though we're not looking at that. I remember listening to this years and years ago and, and thinking that Ray Davies always you know talked about this kind of environment in an interesting way and yeah this is kind of very sneering I think actually but I'm also going to as a complete side note I'm going to be performing this track with um with Martin Noble um, from British Sea Power in a couple of weeks' time in Brighton. He's he I, I live in Brighton where Martin's from and uh, or where he lives now and he uh, gets me involved to do these cover band things every now and then and we're actually doing a Kinks cover night. So um, yeah, total aside, but I think an amusing one if you can imagine me and Martin uh, performing this song <laughs> on stage good. together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that you found your paradise this is your kingdom to command You can go outside and polish your car Or sit by the fire in your Shangri-La Here's your reward for working so hard Gone are the lavatories in the backyard dreamed of that car you just want to sit in your Shangri-La So that was the Kinks and Shangri-La um, One of the things I find quite interesting about these places when I've been uh, looking in Google Maps and from what I remember of living in a place like this and as a kid um, and then we've talked about uh, this sort of you're not you're not in a town, but you're not in the countryside. But they are very green places a lot of the time, aren't they? They're, that's one of the really positive things, I think, about about them is they're actually quite well planted or have got some sort of historic, ancient... It's quite odd sometimes you go around these, these sort of estates and there'll be an oak tree that clearly was part of a hedge th- 300 years ago there. Yeah, there's like very much where I, I lived in Chandler's Ford we had a lot of like sort of historic copses and stuff around, very much sort of like these sort of ancient woodlands. Um, maybe that feeds into the sort of strangeness of, of these places as well, that sort of like historic, ancestral but kind of intangible things that are sort of embedded in the earth that you that you kind of feel plonked on top of all of a sudden and there's some sort of like dissonance going on there maybe. I quite like that idea definitely. And we've tried to reflect that in the photos that Matt's been taking as well. We always, especially with the double exposures film stuff that he's been doing, is always very much there's growth, there's trees, branches always sort of like getting in the way of these visions of things. It's not always just these photos of houses. You know, we're always trying to give the sense that there is some tug of war between nature and, and, and sort of planned and built things going on. That's very important. That's, that's kind of what sets these places apart from just the merely suburban or urban centres. There's more room for green space. And that's probably one of the saving graces of a lot of the planning of them is they they have these sort of more verdant parts. Yeah, although sometimes those can be totally illogical as well. You kind of, you happen upon this green green space and it kind of really doesn't make any sense to you. 
you, you feel kind of a it's incongruous or something like that and it's interesting to see how one of the things we've been looking at as part of the photos one of the themes we identified early on was this idea of desire paths where you've got these very planned tarmac paths that run through these places but actually people have gone off and trodden off their own routes into these things and you see where people have have trodden through and that becomes a, uh, a regular path that, that people use. And it's interesting to see how people, will, even in these in these places, will totally eschew what's been planned and be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go my own, own way on these things. And we, that was what we were interested in. That was an evidence of these sort of like human intervention on, on these places. This, this evidence that people live there, that, that they have their own agenda about these places, that they aren't conform to the the planned structure of them but they actually have some sort of sense of individuality as well and that's really important i think that to me connects with ideas of nostalgia but I mean, I, to my mind this isn't a particularly nostalgic project which sometimes i can find this sort of you get some of that fetishization of post-war architecture in estates and so on can be quite nostalgic often by people who never actually lived in them um and it seems like to be a project focused on lives still lived uh, to me, was nostalgia something you uh, had in your minds? Were you sort of conscious of it? And can it be a patronising thing? Do you think? I don't know about patronising. I think that I don't know always about patronising. At least not intentionally, anyway. I think it, it, it'd be wrong to to say that anyone who's kind of looked at similar places and made artwork or film or something about them is sort of doing it in this sort of uh, you know very removed sense. But there is a when I find things that have been made that kind of that's why I was very interested in not being making a project about new towns or anything like that because people tend to rely on like a lot of archival footage and it sort of becomes this sort of twee yeah very nostalgic kind of vision of things and I just don't really have time for that really and I'm glad that we're not looking at places where much archival footage of it exists you know I I don't know why I just I don't know I, maybe I don't know what, what do you think about that I don't know it just sort of it always seems a bit lazy to me yeah I mean it's a bit it's a big it's all the rage isn't it find a load of archival footage and play along to it but just shove it all together and stick some and it, music and, it, and, it. It, and the, the narrative is often oh look hasn't everything gone to shit which is kind of like well who made the archival footage it was usually the government local authorities yeah. or possibly developers of course they're going to portray everything in this sort of new clean beautiful way uh, I don't like the idea that I resent the idea that everything is turned to shit yeah no and, or, or that's just that's just not a helpful way of looking at things it's not a progressive way of looking at things yes there are a lot of problems there are a lot of dissonances there are a lot of strange things that happen in, in these places and the way they're built and developed the way that people live in them but that is not the whole side of the story um, and we, you know, I think it's important to celebrate the, the contemporary, the nowness of, of these places as, as much as sort of look at where they came from. Uh, and I, yeah, that's sort of, I, I, yeah, I don't want there to be always a nostalgic bent on on what we're doing. I have a nostalgic memory of of the place that I grew up in, and especially when I sort of came to terms with it, and kind of, for better or worse, for want of a better term, fell in love with it. But that doesn't always colour the way that I look at it now and I think that's yeah that's important so we can listen to Bjork now and the track Hunter from from Homogenic yeah I was just I was listening to this a lot when I lived in this 
period. And I, I, again, it was similar to the Lower Halo track. It just reminds me of, of walking around sort of aimlessly and listening to Armagenic. just say that I think it's really interesting now and I'm you know we played Bjork and Lower Halo that it's kind of this whole project is not it's our vision of, of this of, of this idea you know it's not this is not it's just not to be taken as as fact or anything like that this is just one of the many myriad visions you can have of this place or any place and i think that's important thing this is our unique take on it we've as together me matt and sapphire have sort of found our you know um our middle ground on on the way we look at these things but even us have we we have different visions and memories of these places that have the that combine to to create this vision of it and i don't want anyone to think that this is project that we're doing just sort of like say this is what it's like you know what we're going to do about it i think that it's just one of the many thousands of ways of, of looking at things you know one yeah, of so the many what, illusions i wanted to ask what other stories you found and 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 so on when you were when you were making this the project i think yeah i think i think people it's interesting because you don't once we've introduced the project to people they kind of i think they start to go down our our path with it and it but it's hard you know i want people to tell me really what they what they thought about places and how they but some people don't really even think about it i think that that's that's sort of the thing we wanted to encourage as well people just think that it's kind of matter of factly well this is where i live and that's it isn't it i don't know i th- i always thought there was more there was more to be had under the surface of those things so when you've been going up on these trips around the country and have you been sort of speaking to people in in the places what sort of reaction have you had N- you know what often not no because they're very much they're usually like completely empty <laughs> um you know we, a, a few people have asked us what we're doing because we kind of do look a bit shifty and suspicious walking around with camera gear and microphones and headphones on and stuff like that some person thought and this i suppose is a product of its time and kind of forgotten about it now but some people thought we were pokemon hunters oh, right. once which was quite funny <laughs> um yeah we kind of had but people like it that's generally been you always feel a bit kind of voyeuristic going around here and that's sort of it's a shame that we feel like that when we're recording and doing these shoots because you know we're not trying to Try and we're not trying we haven't got this sort of we haven't got this agenda with what we're doing we're just looking at it and that's 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 kind of strange in itself people feel kind of protective maybe about the places they live and that's that's a good thing and we're not trying to you know encroach on that at all um but we what we did was we did a call out last year to get 
some people's you know we wanted to take we want people to take us on a walk around places that they have a, a you know um, a memory of growing up in or where maybe perhaps they live now um just so we can get a better sense of that and we've done a couple of those but we're still kind of with you know if anyone's listening now and they think that they relate to this and maybe want to get in touch with us definitely we were up for doing it i think that we've been quite busy last year with other projects but we want to get back out on the road and start to talk to other people about it but yeah mostly these these trips have been weird and and uh kind of very empty and strange and alien and maybe that's kind of reflected on the, the end product of the work that we've been making i don't know it's very much a work in progress still all this stuff you know there's no there's no end goal there's no final piece in mind with that as as it stands so did Matt and Sapphire grow up in very similar sort of places to you? Uh, I think that we all had kind of separate in, uh, kind of views of it. Yeah, uh, Sapphire grew up in Newport Pagnell, which is Mil- near Milton Keynes, but very much isn't part of that kind of Milton Keynes idea of, you know, this like a new town, this kind of a village that's nearby where, yeah, the developments have happened on the outskirts of it and there's sort of, yeah, these more modern developments there. And that's sort of what she thought of when she when I introduced her to the idea of the project I thought that she would really grasp the ideas and when we showed her the kind of work that we'd done that me and Matt had done she totally totally got it uh, Matt um, yeah we, we me and Matt went on a shoot near Hull um, to a place called Bruff which was yeah totally your wilderness territory um yeah and it was interesting because i thought i always found it hard and i'm you know even probably struggling now to sort of like try to describe the idea of the project but when i when i first brought the idea to matt because i thought i wanted some help with someone to give a better visual sense of what i'm doing matt's a great photographer um he totally got it straight away and that kind of meant that okay maybe there's there's some understanding of the project here that that you know that i thought that i had this kind of <laughs> my own sort of crazy uh, uh vision of it but maybe perhaps other people share this vision as well and that's become more and more clear as we've as the project's grown and that's really that's really uh that's really exciting to see actually so we're on our final track one of our favorite groups that will and i share mm. this is the pet shop boys and king's cross Pet Shop Boys have always sung about the suburbs, though perhaps of the sort of older sort that we've discussed earlier. And King's Cross, to me, captures the melancholy that can come with being a kid, sort of wanting to escape to the to big city and mm-hmm. finding actually a place that's sort of threatening. You can lose yourself in it, but it can also have a terrible impact on you. Is that something you felt about that yourself in your time in London from being uh, from a place like Chandersford? Yeah, I guess I didn't really start to think about it in those times until I moved away from it. I remember 
Jarvis Cocker used to say that about Sheffield you know it took him to move to London before he started writing about it really and you only really have the benefit of hindsight with with these things um yeah I just think when I moved to London again it was an, another another stark difference to the way I'd, I'd viewed the world and it kind of made me think about where I'd come from a bit more and wanting to respect that in a different way and wanting to represent that in an interesting way uh, we can listen to another piece of your music, uh, Rainwater Harvest. Is this an ode to the uh, suburban garden water butt? Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, in, in a sense it is. Part of the project was looking at sort of where are we going, not only where we come from, where we are now, but where are we going with these developments. When I lived in York for a year recently, there was a very, very new development called Derwenthorpe there, um, which is very progressive. It has very, quite kind of, yeah, very large houses, with uh, you know big nice sort of like, yeah this sort of like sort of almost dutch like Euro- you know big european open windows that have you know lots of light going into them and it was very sort of um ecologically minded place and it had this sustainable resource center and i was just reading around this idea of of sort of like more of an ecological way of moving forward with building these developments um and I would just glean phrases from reports and stuff I'd see and rainwater harvest came out of it and I liked how kind of hippie it, it felt, you know what I mean? It, and I wanted that to be a part of the project as well. And I think this track is very ambient and soft, you know, it kind of slowly moves through the idea. And But it always felt like to me like there was sort of, yeah, rain happening in it. What happens to the rain? Where does it go? And I think, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about when I made this this piece of music. Okay, so Seb, could you play us Rainwater Harvest, please? So that was Rainwater Harvest uh, from your wilderness, revisited, and you'll be playing this music at London's Cameo on the 24th of June as part of the East End Film Festival. What's the vision for the project now? You say it's kind of open-ended, but after this East End Film Festival thing, are you going to be taking it around the country, maybe playing in some of the places that you're you're describing? That would be the best outcome for it, yeah. I think we were asked by East End Film Festival to get involved in the programme, which was a bit of a surprise to us that anyone really knew what we were doing anyway um but they asked us to be part of it so we kind of we put this night together just to see how it goes really we kind of want to see it's an experiment for us really this is not like here's the project this is what it's going to be it's kind of like well we don't know how these things are going to work together in one place so we want an audience to come down and and see what it's like and tell us what they think about the project and then we'll take a stock I think after the after the night and think about moving it on places yeah because 
I've I've kind of got a bit bored of when I've been touring and stuff in the last few years. I've got a bit bored of just doing the same old gigs and you know playing in boring rock clubs all the time. And I kind of want to do things a bit differently now. And I think for me, in terms of where I'm, you know, I'm recording this record at the moment, and it's closely related to the to the project um, in terms of its concept. How this might be a good blueprint for doing gigs further on, where you buy the audience come and they don't just go to the bar and watch the music there's photos there's there's music around this kind of you're encouraging people to get involved in a, in, a, in, a, in a you know get engaged in a bit more of a different way um yeah so hopefully if it goes successfully it will we'll try to look at doing things we're doing this one in london now but i think to keep doing it in london would be totally besides the point we definitely need to go out side of of london and, and and go to places so yeah let's see what see what happens with that book them to come along so that's pretty much the end of this quiet hour special with will Dahl. we're going to finish with perk london we have you surrounded from his brilliant album wicker and steel which is and it's, it's london we have you surrounded it's sort of it's about the home counties yeah. which holds a lot of these developments and it's a very ambiguous track isn't it yeah yeah i yeah i don't know and it's nice to hear like a total banger that's coming from this idea as well as well you know it's not always this it's not always this calm, serene, or you know, this the folky kind of a, a mentality to it. You know, there's, there's there's an aggressive nature to the to it as well, and and Perk pretty much sums that up, I think. Yeah, from I think it was it Royden he grew up in, and the sort of Hertfordshire, yeah. or, or yeah, around that way, Hertfordshire, Cambridgeshire borders. Yeah. So yeah, yeah there's no twee in our last track whatsoever. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for coming on, Will. Uh, find out more by using Google. Google is your friend for your wilderness revisited. Go to Cameo in London on the 24th of June to keep your eyes open for further things. Thank you, as ever, to our producer, Seb White, Todd the Dodd for behaving himself, and Catherine De La Rosa. We will speak to you soon on a future Quietus Hour. Remember, listen to this on Mixcloud, but then go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and give us a top quality 5 out of 5 rating. Thanks for listening. My name's Luke Turner, and this is Perk.